Welcome to Beside the Burn for Wednesday the 8th of September. This week we're in Genesis chapter 1 and we're trying to see Jesus, find Jesus in Genesis, find out what he's like, find out what he does and find out what he wants us to do with our lives. And today we're continuing in Genesis chapter 1. Yesterday we were looking at the whole idea of creation and whether we can believe the account in Genesis 1. And today we're going to think specifically about human beings being created by God and how we're made in God's image to reflect his glory. We touched a little bit upon it yesterday. We're probably going to look more at it next week whenever we come to the fall. But let's see today what we can learn. And we begin in Genesis 1 and verse 26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the air, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And here we're seeing that God is almost having a conversation here. Then God said, let us, and again, that's helping us see very clearly that God here is the triune God, that he is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that he is going to make mankind in his own image, and that image is plural, it's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And the image is likeness. So whenever we've been created, we are being created like God. We're to reflect his image. And there's lots of different ways that we can understand that. For example, if you buy a piece of designer clothing, you want to have a logo on that clothing at basically to show that the quality of the piece of clothing and to show that you are associated with that particular brand. So if it's Nike, you want to have the swoosh in a prominent place so that people can see it. And um, if it's a, a particular handbag or a shoe, there are certain uh, design concepts that will show clearly to anyone in the know what make those shoes or that bag are. And here we have been created by God and there are certain logos, if you like, on us. There are certain things about the way that we've been designed that show that God has a hand in it. And it clearly can't be the case that we have just been created uh, by chance. Because we reflect God's glory. We reflect his values. Even whenever we sin, even whenever we uh, turn against God, we still reveal who he is by our lives and the way that we are. And one of the reasons why God has created us in his image is so that we may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky sky and over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. We're being created for a specific purpose to look after this world that God has placed us in and to rule over it and to make sure that it is run well. And here we carry on. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male 
and female he created them. And this is important little detail here that we have in verse 7, especially in today's world again. You can see why there is an attack on being able to identify as being a different gender, of being able to trans from one gender to another. Because we're being told here that God creates us male and female. And if we can change that, if we can decide for ourselves whether we're male or female, then again, we have been getting rid of God and God is no longer important in the equation. So you can see why these things are attacked so much in society today. Then if we move on to chapter 2, we've got another telling of the creation story, which gives us a slightly different perspective and gives us some more information in some places. Chapter 2, verse 7, Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now this is important because God takes dust of the ground to create man. So far, up until this point, God has said and things have happened. He's created the animals and the plants and all those things out of nothing. But for this particular part of creation, mankind, God takes dust that he's already created but dust that seems to be worthless and useless. And he takes that, and instead of out of nothing, he takes the dust and creates a human being and then breathes into that dust so that the dust takes life and the dust becomes alive. The breath of life is in this worthless, useless dust. Not just the breath of life, but the breath of God. And so what is useless and what has no value at all in being dust suddenly becomes the most precious thing to be created because it now contains the breath of God. And we become living beings. And we saw how Jesus also then takes the same role that he has in creation of bringing life to worthless dust in that now he brings life to our worthless lives. He breathes his Holy Spirit into us and where we're dead in sin, he now makes us alive in him. And um, this helps us understand that God brings life, but then God also sustains life and keeps life going. We cannot continue to breathe unless God wills it, unless God keeps breathing. So that's why we're turning here to Job, Job 34. And in the conversation that Job's having with his friends in the aftermath of all the suffering that Job has had, we're being told here, if it were God's intention and God withdrew his spirit and breath, all humanity would perish together and mankind would return to the dust. 
So it's only by the fact that God has breathed life into us and then he keeps breathing that life. We are on a life support system, as it were, that is controlled by God. And it's only the fact that he keeps us breathing that we breathe. The shocking thing is not if somebody dies suddenly. The shocking thing is that we keep living. Because it requires God and requires him to be at work. Otherwise, we just go back to the dust and we're worthless again. And not only can Jesus Christ breathe new life into a life that is dead, but whenever we die and our bodies are buried or cremated or whatever happens to our bodies, on the day of resurrection, Jesus Christ will take what remains. And he will breathe life into it. And we will have new resurrection bodies to be able to follow him. And to be able to move into the new heaven and the new earth and live here with Jesus Christ for all eternity. So going back to Genesis 1 and verse 26 and this idea that God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. It is only because God creates us that we have a reflection of his image in our lives. And therefore, it's important that we don't allow sin to cloud that image of him. That others can see the imprint. You know how it is, someone will look at you and they'll say, oh, you're the image of your mother. Oh, I can see your father in you there. Well, that's what God wants us to reflect in our lives. That people will look at us and see him. That people will look at us and see Jesus Christ and his image. So let's bow before him in prayer together. Lord God, we thank you today that you have created us. You have created us in your image that we might reflect your glory and point others to you. Forgive us, Lord, whenever we allow your image to become clouded over in our lives. And help us instead, Lord, to live each day that others would see you and that others would put their trust in you. For we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.